Drinks. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is Betsy Stover. <laughs> um, and uh, today I am joined by my co-host for life, Ari Vukitas. It's me! <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> by the way, every time you introduce me, no matter what I say, you go, oh boy. And I experiment. Every time you introduce me, I'm like, how can I respond that she's not going to be like, I'm going to push this thing up the hill again. And every single time... <laughs> Your existence is exhausting. <laughs> Where she just makes eye contact with me and she goes, remember, you're only co-host for life. <laughs> oh, and then I make, I make a cutting sound. Yeah. A cutting sound? A cutting sound. You go, snip, that was, snip, snip. That's like an old Mormon ceremony that they finally took out. What? And they cut across the, that's what they used to do in the temple. They used to have, uh, that you had to do this, like slash across the throat. Um, to show that if anybody's an enemy against Mormonism, they'll be taken out. But, you know, years ago, they kind of took it out of the thing because they were like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, that, that religion's gone through some important system upgrades. Oh, yeah, especially because Mormon apologists, in quotes, they, they, they are the people who kind of defend scripture. They really are apologists in a world. Yeah. Um, dear listener, let me introduce to you our fantastic <laughs> guest. She, as you see, as you can hear, is an incredibly smart person. Uh, she is hilarious. I know her as um, an amazing improv comedian. She also is, I think, one of the best, not even my opinion, she's one of the best improv teachers, gurus out in the world. And uh, she's just Ouch. a... Fucking what? Oh no! I'm not allowed to say guru. That's creepy, isn't it? <laughs> well, you're my guru. Is that you're sweet? The voice like doesn't that. help. What? I, mean, yeah. I wanted to. Make I would. If you were next to me, Betsy, I would bite you in joy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I really would. Um, but she is an amazing person, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. It's Susan Messing. Aw, you guys are so great, and I wish I was next to you. Oh, uh-huh. I wish so too. I wish so too. Um, I'm sick, uh, so I'm a little off. Of or sick, sick. Did sick. you get the flu? I I hope not. I got a vaccine. I was no, told no they flu, would... flu. No, they, they the new flu will always supersede the old flu. You know. Mm, I don't know. It seems just like a really bad cold. Oh my god, are you guys doing the new flu yet? <laughs> Have you guys tested yourself for coronavirus? Because sometimes it shows up as fluey. Oh my oh. god! Can't yeah. wait because we're traveling in a week. I know it's oh. super fun. So Ari and I have three kids. They're all boys. Yeah. We have a six-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a lala, and a lala. Keep going. An eleven-year-old. <laughs> Susan, what's your? I'm gonna make it work. It's terrible. Kidsuation. My kidsuation <laughs> was I made one before I clot. Um, her name is Sophia Mia. And she is 19 years old and a freshman at uh, NYU in the Clive Davis Music Program. And she's incredible. She's an incredible person. And I don't say that because she's mine, because if she was hateful, I'd be like, mm, she's C-City, you know. I love her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, see how nicely I did that? I didn't even say the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't mean cancer. <laughs> Honestly, she's Cancer City would be an insane thing to say about your daughter. I know, right? <laughs> She's amazing. Oh. She's amazing. She 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 literally was. She's like a Victorian child. Her manners are so good. It's it's creepy. 
Cosign. I don't know your daughter in real life, but I know her through your social media, and she's amazing. I, I Aww. Agree. Thank you. I, I can't even imagine what it would be like with three boys. I, I'm so impressed because, again, I made one really late in the game, um, and and I just, you know, I'm so grateful that she's standing up and that, you know, I didn't kill her. You know what I mean? Those things. Oh, yeah. You know, those, like where you look at that and you're like, mm, that could have killed him. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, our yeah. boys are like Victorian children, too, but like a singing street gang, like an Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they just cause trouble and they like pick pockets. And... Yeah. They like. Uh... Got to pick a pocket or two. Exactly. <laughs> Trip Sagan's minions. Pick them up, grab their wallet. Yeah. yeah. 100%. They're scams. Fagin's minions. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, me being sick uh, brings me to our first story. So let me let me just uh, dive right in, uh, which is, um, so our, our kids have been through various uh, incarnations of sickness in the past week, uh, and everyone Aww. has been home, and it's been a fucking Aww. nightmare. Absolutely. We and you wonder just- why you're sick. I well, let me tell you why I'm <laughs> sick. Actually, because we can pinpoint it. I can pinpoint it to the moment. Two moments. Um, so we were home. The six-year-old was watching TV. He was feeling very sick. I decided to take a nap on the couch, um, and um, as I was napping on the couch, I was very cold. Probably because I was. Well, who knows? Uh, I was very cold, and so I was wearing a hoodie, and I pulled the hoodie so that it was just, like, around my, uh, down around my eyes, and you could just see my nose and my mouth. And as I slept, my six-year-old came and kissed me on the mouth, which was very, very sweet. And also, I was like, no. Because he's too Got me sick. She came in like five minutes later. She's like, well, I'm done for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just got kissed on the mouth twice, but so see you later. I'm going to go dig my own grave. (laughs) And if once wasn't enough, he did it a second time. I was asleep again, and then he came and kissed me. He's a very sweetie, sweetie pie. But also for time context of why this is not the best time to be sick. So this last uh, weekend, we finally, after living in this house for like eight years, uh, we finally decided to paint or one of the rooms, the kids' room, which is, you know, it's like shambles. So as a result, everybody had been, like, sleeping in the living room. The house has been a shambles. The house looks haunted. And uh, <laughs> we were going to count on this week to clean everything. But then one by one, everybody's sick. And then, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but then yesterday, when finally not everybody's sick, a kid has a doctor's appointment. The doctor's so late, I can no longer take the kid to school. So we've got a kid home every goddamn day. Anyhow. Ex- except for today. Except for today. But I'm sick. And, yes. It's oh a my gosh. And I am, I am nominally not sick, but that's really more me deciding I'm not sick. Yeah. yeah you, get to, you get to be sick when you go on vacation. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I hope not. Because we're about to go on vacation with his I know. 80-something-year-old parents. Yeah, so if we're sick on vacation, then we will not be on vacation with them. Yeah, we will not be able to be there. We're not allowed. I we don't blame say. you. I, when I had to drive home from New Jersey with COVID um, because I, didn't wanna, I did not want to get my 81-year-old mom sick. I just didn't. Yeah. So on the way to New Jersey to drop Sophia off at school, 
I got out of the, the car after 11 hours and I bounded out of the car and I thought, I expected me to come out and go, oh, my back hurts, I'm an old lady or something like that, but I bounded, I was like, that 11 hours was a joke. On the way back, I'd have to crawl into the back seat every four hours like and cry myself to sleep. And then I'd oh wake up God. and I'd continue on the road until I got home. It was rough. I was Holy a Delta girl. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. It was like a slow tsunami of exhaustion that lifted miraculously after the 12th day. And I went, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to feel well. So yeah, don't take, you know, people who deny science are real assholes as far as I'm concerned. But you were talking about being sick and um, the children being sick, which is what I was going to discuss today. As I said, my daughter was a Victorian child. And um, for example, this is the kind of Victorian child she was. One day I, she was visiting her dad and we were climbing up the stairs to his apartment and I heard what was definitely a shart. It was a shart. And you know, it was like a, you know, it was a wet one. And I said to Sophia, Fafa, did you, did you poot? And she went, no, mama, no. And then we got in and I said, let's go to the bathroom and just check. She went, okay. And she had absolutely sharted herself. Oh. And so I was cleaning her up and, and, you know, changing her up and making her look good. I mean, she was out of diapers at that point, but just making some mistakes, you know, some poopy mistakes. And, uh, she grabbed my hand, my head with both of her hands and she looked square in the eyes and she said, Oh mama, thank you so much. And I said, Sophia, it's my job to take care of you, my love. Like, like she, you know what I mean? Like well, yeah. one time when I was on the toilet, um, cause I was, I was both ends, not good. And she waddled into uh, the bathroom. She was 18 months old and she started stroking my arm and she said, it's all right, mama, you'll be okay. So cut, so cut to the story. So she's about three and I'd taken her to Dominic's, which still existed. It's now, they've been absorbed into the jewel here in Chicago. But I took her to the Dominic's and she insisted on getting shrimp for dinner. She saw the big, bold, already cooked shrimp in the case and it looked fine to me. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like shrimp. I'm like, you sure you want shrimp for dinner? She said, yes, mama, I definitely want shrimp. I was like, great. Gave her shrimp and the child was in the bathtub and projectile oh, no. vomited. And oh, as soon as no. she finished, but it was in the bathtub, God bless her. Projectile vomited and uh. so I'm trying to clean her up and she's like, oh mama, I feel so much better. <laughs> Cut to the hallway where she projectile vomits. No. Oh no. Downstairs hallway. And she said, oh mama, I feel so much better. So I'm cleaning up <laughs> number two. This child left her mark in almost every room in the house where she projectile vomited and then proudly announced to me that she felt so much better. Thank you, mama. So that is, that is my, that is my daughter's sick story. Now, later on in life, she became kind of a hypochondriac. When she was 13 years old, she got very WebMD on all of us. And when she was 13 years old, because she knew that my appendix had ruptured when I was 17. And yeah, I almost died and I missed a month and a half of school. Um, but she'd heard this story and that freaked her the fuck out. So this poor child um, insisted that her appendix was ruptured or it was fucked up. So in the middle of the night, I took her to the emergency room only to find out that she was literally full of shit. And, uh, <laughs> and, the, and the, the emergency room doctor looked at me and he says, it happens often. 
you know, a couple of thousand dollars later out of pocket. And I'm like, yeah, don't look at a WebMG anymore, Sophia. You know? wow. <laughs> oh my God. But apparently teenage girls think they're dying when they're simply full of shit. <laughs> Literally, not figuratively. But God bless and Godspeed. But she's always been really good at sharing how she feels. So I've always, she's been very good at communicating. She's rarely, for me at least, had a breakdown. For me. Like, rarely. It's, it's rare. And when she, last year, she was struggling a little with anxiety and depression. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> you know, she yeah. spent her senior year in her bedroom. And, you know, her poor stepfather died. I mean, she had a lot on her plate. And her dad was in L.A. And so she went on a rant for like 10 minutes and I watched her and the way that she described everything was so rich and eloquent and so not newly 18 years old. I mean, it was mm. profound how mature she was and what she knew. I was, I was watching her thinking, shit, I didn't know that shit until I was at least 40. You know what I mean? Like she just had such amazing epiphanies and I'm not going to say what she was talking about because it was bad, but but at the end of it, I just looked at her when she kind of finally just went, <sighs> I said, so on the anxiety scale, where are you right now? And she just went, oh, I'm a one. And I went, great. <laughs> I mean, like, so I just listened to her spew um, for about 10 minutes. She went on a solid, brilliant, well-conceived of rant that was so impressive to me. And I mean, it was hateful. She was mad at a bunch of shit, not at me. Yeah. But she was mad at a bunch of shit and, and a couple of people. And um, I was just so impressed with the way that she was able to express herself. Um, maybe that literal vomit became figurative vomit. See how I bring it back around? Oh, you guys, oh. life's a herald. Um, <laughs> I, I will sometimes, I'll have a similar, where sometimes one of my kids will be telling me about something upsetting or something serious. And I will be so charmed by the way they are framing the issue that I will, I guess, have like a delighted expression on. Uh, they'll be like, this is a serious thing. I'll be like, I know, I just, I appreciate the simile. Yeah, it's hard not to be delighted sometimes, even when they're upset or mad. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just Cause so they're adorable. Cute. Yes. And where they see it, I mean, like, don't you remember, like, the first time your kids exhibited fear? I do, like, distinctly. I remember I, totally I had Sophia understand. outside. She was, like, six months old, and they had one of those gas-powered kind of air blowery things for a leaf blower that's what it's called oh. susan a leaf blower <laughs> jesus christ maybe i do have holes in my brain um <laughs> but you know what i mean like like you try to think of long covid and i'm thinking my aphasia is just weird i mean in well, general parenthood i, I believe parenthood totally fucks sucks our the life brains. blood out of you yeah 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 so she was outside we were outside and she heard the leaf blower and just immediately burst into tears because of the sound of it and, and so watching those tiny like milestones of, you know, fear, delight, what, you know, what tickles them at a certain moment, it really is amazing. And, and they are who, the, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like Sophia was exactly who she was since she came out of the womb. You know what so I mean? Like they yeah. are who they are, right? 100%. I feel like they are who they are even before they came out of the womb. I feel like I had a sense of who they were. And when they came out, it was like, no, this, this tracks, this is consistent. Yeah. Our, our oldest is like a total spaz. And when he was in the womb, he was like a badger in a bag. 
uh, like a caffeinated badger in a bag. Yep. And that's how he is outside of the womb, just like just flailing and has lots of thoughts and won't stop moving. Middle guy was just kind of like kind of lazy and sleepy. Uh, and then the little guy was what? Generally chill with periods of intense activity. Like it's all in all tracks. Do you feel like there is, um, I mean, Sophia's an only child, although she has a, a half sister uh, who's amazing as well, but a completely different kind of child. Like Valerie is very active and spazzy and, but mm. super like disturbingly bright. Like she's mm. so bright. And Sophia was as well, but Sophia was kind of a child who just sat there. Like you could put her in the neglect saucer, you know what I mean? And you get your shit done. You know what I mean? Like she was that. She wasn't a mover or a shaker and she was very, very careful with the way that she moved. But I was going to ask you, could you see like first child, second child, like a traditional second child as a peacemaker and third child doesn't give a shit and first feels, you know, very responsible. Do you get that or nah? Kind of. Our middle child is very middle child. Uh, P.S. He's not lazy at all. I want to no, make sure. No, that... no, 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 no. Our middle uh, child. He loves, he lo- he's not lazy, lazy, but he loves sleeping in. He's actually pretty active. He's always been sleepy. Yeah. Uh, what did you say, Susan? No, I don't remember what I said. Oh. Right now. Uh, I'm more interested in what you have to say. But he is like a major peacekeeper, and he's always trying to smooth things out and be like, I wasn't making a, a fuss, was I? When they were making a fuss, I was just being great, right? Uh, stuff yes. like that. Um, and he'll, yeah, he'll, you know, I'm sorry you're feeling upset, mama. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, he'll, when, if, uh, if me and one of his brothers are having an argument, he will be like, hey, sorry you're having a rough time. Mm-hmm. Aww. But our oldest, he's not like, he's not like, I carry the response as much as I honestly. No, but he does want to hold the authority and rank. He does believe that part of it. He does think he should be listened to. But Ari and I are both firstborns. And so I really thought, oh, we got this firstborn thing in the bag. Like, we're going to train this guy to know what a firstborn does. But no, he's like, I will not be uh, in charge of things and I will not be responsible. And no, he likes to be in charge. He just doesn't necessarily likes to be the boss. He likes to be the boss. I'm trying to trying to explain and maybe it's subtle for an 11 year old, but I've had a few times where I've tried to explain the difference between a boss and a leader. Uh, And wow, uh, I'm getting there. No, I like, I, I love that you're, you know, initiating that discussion because you can see where it will support them and where it's just going to frustrate the hell out of them. You right. Know? Yeah. And, you know, he's an intelligent, bright guy and he's going to be a white man someday. So I got to get him rational now. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Right. That's the part. Toxic that gotta, gotta gender to, uh, white to man. Early. Yeah. W-H-Y-T-E. Yeah. White. <laughs> Why? But it does scare me that they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be white men one day, and I've got to make sure that that they don't suck. That they're part they're of the solution, <laughs> not, the, not the problem. I think that's wonderful. Honestly, to have you guys as their parents is fantastic, I would think. Let's hope. I, it's what I keep telling them. Yeah. As far as the youngest goes, is he traditionally young, the youngest? Oh, I think so. He's definitely like, razzmatazz, hello. (laughs) Uh, So there's that. Hey, look at me. And and also, he, you know, like, the older one is angrily convinced all the time that the rules don't really apply to the younger one. And in fairness, they totally don't. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Rex protests the injustice of the system 
And he's right. The oldest. The oldest. He's right. I mean, about half the time. Like half the time, it's you know, we he'll see- say something insane. He'll be like, "Why does? Why do you only feed Odie?" I'm like, yeah. "What?" Yeah. Uh, but then half the time, <laughs> he will correctly point out the hypocrisy in the system. But I remember too. I was an oldest child. I'm actually from a long line of oldest children, so wow, I know. That's like, right. That's weird. Yeah. I'm like a fourth generation oldest child. Uh, so I know. I'm the like third. You know, I'm the last. Okay, that's what I was. So I had two older twin sisters and me. Whoa! So it's all—it's three girls, and Bonnie was only a minute younger than Robin, but she was absolutely the peacemaker. Absolutely, I don't think—I don't think I ever heard Bonnie raise her voice her entire life. Whoa! Not once, not once, not even not even to be frustrated. It's—it's impressive. I mean, Robin and I sure as hell spoke up, but Bonnie was like chill. Yeah, she's the best. Oh, so you lived the girl version of our of our household with three girls. I think it's different, though, because we were raised, I mean, yes, societally also. Although my dad, I feel like he raised us to be three independent boys in very much of a way. So, like, it didn't, when I started playing with almost all men, it, it was not something weird. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh I don't well, know yeah, what it's like really- to... He yeah. prepared you for that, like... Life in comedy? Yeah. Yeah. He sure did. Well, he was also the funniest man I've ever met, so he was great. He was fucking great. Until his comedy became a little cruel later on in his life. Not to me, but I like as a comedian, I can look at that and go, mm, bitch, you gotta you know, protect content so people can laugh, and your shit's heading a little weird. Yeah. Oh? Yeah. Like punching down kind of stuff? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was like, mm, not okay. Like, I know that stuff's not okay. So, like, mm-mm. I can, that- I can love your sense of humor up to a point. But once I became a comedian, I was like, mm, not okay. Yeah. Well, it's hard mm. when you know when you know how the sausage is made and then you're like, oh. Girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's in it? Um, <laughs> well, and that's why I feel, too, I, that it's it, – my, my poor kids have in, – in a lot of ways, I think it – it's a good life to have two comedians for parents, but sure. you've also got people that understand, or at least believe they understand every single tone and nuance of a conversation. Yeah. So you can't throw a fastball bias in terms of intent and subtext. So whenever Rex or one of my other kids would be like, well, this is what I meant. I'd be like, no, what you meant by that joke is this. And I can tell because you said it like this and you moved your body like this. <laughs> Which on one hand is like crazy. And I, I hate as a parent, you never want to be like, here's what you're thinking, but also like, Y'all, my job for more than 20 years has been to look at people and tell if they're making something up or not. It's been to be, do I believe you? 55 times a day. So, like, I'm sorry. I, I know what you meant. I know what that's a joke about. That's right. In the same way, like, my dad's a doctor, so I couldn't pretend to be sick. Right? <laughs> when, yeah. When Sophia has lied to me, which has not been often, but when she's lied to me, I've, I've been able to call her out, like, so immediately. I think it freaked her out it freaked That's her out beautiful like i've, our, our I've peacemaking gotten her middle kid, our peacemaking middle kid if you catch him in a lie is so sad and so apologetic are well first of all though you have to catch him you have to prove like oh yeah because you if you catch him in a lie he he will double down and be like i'm not lying he's, a, he's both a good liar and a bad liar he's excellent at it but he feels a lot of remorse but you Aww. have to add receipts and our oldest one will and just be like... And then he'll cry and be like, very sorry. Then he'll cry. Our oldest one, you accuse him of lying, the hockey gloves come off and he will fight. And I think our youngest is like, like okay, literally, I've made a mistake this time. 
So next time what I can do. Uh, (laughs) Don't you remember, though, when you used to lie and then your parents didn't believe you and then you would double down and add 10 times more specificity? That's that's what I talk about, how OJ got away with it. He just kept saying shit and being even more specific until he believed it himself, even though he was the liar. You know what I mean? It's, It's almost sociopathic. Yeah, I try to remember that because when I was a kid, I have absolute memories of being caught red-handed doing something stupid and doubling down to the point where it became fundamental to my uh, existence that I was right. Yeah, you became righteously indignant that they didn't believe your lie. You were furious that they didn't believe what you were telling them, even though it was not true. I remember that. And I wasn't a bad kid, but I was like that. So I try to remember that with my kids too. But then I remember... Oh, but it must have been just as infuriating to my parents as it is to me now. I was a more ed- of a Sophia. I didn't. I didn't really you didn't, lie. You didn't rock the boat. Well, you no. know, it's interesting though. But we're now in an age where Kellyanne Conway could call it alternative facts. When in fact, when we were little, we fucking lied. We lied that there was a president with thirty-three thousand documented lies in his pregnancy. Pre- you know, presidency. I was going to say his pregnancy. <laughs> the biggest gave, lie of all. That guy was never pregnant. He was a piece of shit. But I mean, <laughs> like super, you know what I mean? Like you just watch it with your mouth agape because you're like, we're supposed to teach our kids not to lie, that the truth is fundamental and that Christians, in quotes, see past 33,000 documented lies in his pregnant in pregnancy. You, you know what I mean. Yes. Presidency. Oh, God. Yes. Um, and that we all just kind of sit back and that Christians, isn't one of the Ten Commandments, don't fucking lie? Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. One of yeah. what, ten? Yeah, yeah it's ten fucking commandments. Is on that list. Yeah, Christianity has been, like, hijacked long ago. But but to your point, like... When Republican we kids, Jesus. There was an authority, right? If someone was older and they were an authority figure they were worthy of respect by default, right? You respect your teacher by default until you're proven wrong. You respect your leader by default until you're proven wrong. But now it's it's not like that, right? Teachers too, like you're coming up against all the, teachers are freaking crazy sometimes. They're crazy, but they've also been driven crazy. They've been fucking driven Many crazy. Many have been driven crazy, in fairness. Sure. What I have found I'm out so- is that a few started crazy and were driven crazier. Okay, I can say that, but at the same time, I certainly didn't have to go through metal detectors as a child. I didn't have to do shooting drills. I mean, oh, what's yeah. disturbing to me is 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 the part of us that has to like hold our breath every day. I mean, I certainly let out a, a good sigh when Sophia turned 18 because I thought to myself, I no longer have to co-parent and uh, uh, never have to co-parent again. And that even, God forbid, if she wound in the hospital, she would be the one to have to tell him. I don't have to worry about any of that shit. And I took a deep breath because I realized, oh my God, I'd been holding my breath for 18 years. But I think as a parent, we hold our breaths for their entire lives and our entire lives because we want our kids to be safe. I mean, fundamentally, you know? So So I'm always so worried about her mental health and her physical health. She's in New York City, which is, you know, a difficult place. But here's the thing, when I dropped her off there, my best friend from high school, Leslie, sold her urgent care business to NYU. And so now she's a physician who works for NYU. So if the shit hits the fan, she can go to Leslie's apartment, which is oh, three blocks God. away. My mom can scoop her up from New Jersey. My sister can oh. come in. My sister Robin can come in, scoop her up. And, and 
that just gave me so much of a sense of peace that there's more eyes watching her. I feel like if, God forbid, I had to die, that this world would take care of her because I think everybody kind of, Sophia was the very, very end of my generation, but she was light years ahead of Joe's, like she was very early on born of Joe's generation because I was 39 when I had her. And uh, so a lot of people like mark time through Sophia you know what I mean? They're like, oh, oh my God, she's 19. I remember when I held her when she was three. You know, that kind yes. of thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I think in comedy communities too, we, <laughs> we we mark time by the earlier kids as well. Because um, I know I was that way with uh, the Roberts's kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now people are that way too with, with our kid too. Aw. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, here, Ari, why don't you uh, tell... tell oh, yeah. We had another story to tell. But yeah. It, yeah. So, uh, all right. So part of, so the last few days, pretty much everyone's been sick. And also, so I'm a freelance writer. And so it's feast or famine. And that means that sometimes I get to work on really fun stuff. And I get to, like, try to make a TV show happen. And sometimes I get to do other stuff and that's kind of what this week is but then luckily sometimes i also get a little overpaid to do other stuff so i have a lot of opportunity and stuff i have to do this week but also i've got four sick family members to take care of so at one point it you know i am teaching betsy's class because she's not feeling well so i'm up there well wait maybe we should maybe we should give a little backstory which is yeah excuse me so odisei is our youngest our six-year-old he's had uh, two open heart surgeries. He had one when he was about two years old, and then he had another one a little less than a year ago. And uh, and it's a fucking nightmare, but he's okay. Uh, and, what was the uh, second one for? To just because he's older now, and they just sort of had to adjust it. We had a group it? on, so good group on. Uh, yeah. He, they, Did he get LASIK he, while he was there? Yeah. <laughs> um, Vaginal he was, rejuvenation. He was born with a few holes in oh, his good. heart, and the first surgery got most of them. And then later on, as he grew, they were like, oh, we, we need to do an- another one. So Yeah, it was a tune-up, essentially. At some point, and one thing Odie loves lately is taking the calendar down off the uh, <laughs> wall and bringing it in asking me questions, right? So he'll be like, oh, what's the queen's birthday, parentheses, A-U-S? And I'm like, oh, that's, the, uh, in Australia, they celebrate the queen's birthday on this day. And then he'll go, well, how come the queen's birthday is this other week in New Zealand, I'll be like, I, that's a freaking great question. I have no idea. So at some point he comes to me and he goes, uh, what is heart day? Uh, and I, and I'm doing something else. Like I'm teaching a class and I'm like, Oh, that's, uh, you know, that's the anniversary of the day you had your heart surgery. And he's like, wait, what, what's an anniversary? So I'm like, okay. And so, you know, that's the day that we're going to celebrate the fact that you got your heart fixed when you were little. Now, Amanda Allen, who I started this podcast with, she, uh, she would always celebrate her daughter's heart day and they would have a cake and, and a celebration, but we kind of just never did it. I don't know why. Um, so it's, you know, it's been well, essentially like four to five years and we've never celebrated. I think it. there's two reasons. 
One is Heart Day was on Easter. So there was always other stuff to celebrate. But then two, he had another heart surgery. So like we didn't do it the first year because it was that year. We didn't do it the second year because it was Easter. And the third year he had another surgery. So anyway, so. This is, I'm sorry, this is more complicated than like figuring out what to make them for Halloween, you know? (laughs) A lot is going on here. Yeah. A lot of moving parts. So. Yeah, plus it happens in the spring, which is like, oh boy, the spring is always real busy. So I mentioned it's a wow. day we're gonna it's a day that we celebrate the fact that you had a successful heart surgery. Great. He goes off, I do my thing. So now cut to two nights ago. Betsy's sick, so I'm teaching her improv class. And on uh, for those of you, if this is your first show, Betsy and I both teach improv, and uh, we teach right mostly online right now. And so does Susan, which is why we got a little inside baseball. That's true. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so I'm teaching the class, and and the kids know not to interrupt when I teach. They know they're not supposed to, but they do. They yeah. consistently do. Odie especially, but he's also. He's so cute and usually charms the class, so it's usually, it's like, eh, sorry, they're not, like, mad about it. Yeah, usually um, you can just be like, this is my six-year-old, and they're like, oh Yeah. Because oh, yeah. he'll always, he'll come in with just, so anyway, so I'm teaching the class. Yeah, he'll come in and be like, I made a robot. Right, or I'll be like, hey, you can't come in. So he'll, so from the other side of the door, he'll be like, I'm going to sl- I'm gonna slide a note under the door. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to respond to it. He's like, it's okay. I'm going to knock really loud, and I'm going to make a noise, and then I'll slide a note so it won't bother you. It's like, I'm just not... So still, anyway, still bothering me, definitely. So I teach a class. Odie comes up, kind of tugs on my shirt. I'm like, "Hey, buddy, what's going on?" And he's like, uh, "Oh, I have. Here's what we need for the Heart Day party." And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Tomorrow, when we celebrate Heart Day." I'm like, "Okay." And he's like, "I want this kind of cake, and I want streamers, and I want the kind of balloons that do this, 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 this." And and I'm like, oh, "Okay." And he's like, I, and I'm like, "I'm like, I guess I'll write them down." I am teaching yeah, a class there are actively. Twelve teaching. people just sitting and watching this whole exchange who have all spent a lot of money to be here, and they're just hearing a little voice like me, 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 me. And then I'm like, "And we'll dress like cats." Oh, that blood boy! He's like, "And the theme is cats." I'm like, "Nope, the theme is hearts." <laughs> with this one this one's locked in uh he's oh like it's cats did you give him his party what well, hang on <laughs> we're getting there uh and uh susan's like what kind of monsters would deny this kind of party no he's gonna get he's gonna He'll get, get yeah fucking party but the point is and, and whenever he mentions that betsy and i he's like party and betsy and i keep going celebration because like parties have gifts and guests. Oh, and then and a lot morning, of decorations. But a celebration could just be a cake after dinner, and then we're like, "Yay!" Right. But a party is a whole thing. And also, the mornings around here are real chaotic because our uh, our middle kid Ajax gets up at six because he has to catch a bus, and then uh, Ajax and uh, sorry, Rex and Odysseus get up at seven. Uh, so they can go to school. So the mornings are pretty chaotic. So yesterday morning, everything's going haywire. And I'm real grumpy because everyone forgot to unpack their bags, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then Odie starts talking about how we all have to dress up and wear our best clothes for the party. And I'm going, what? Because as we mentioned, so they've got improvisers for parents, right? So like we are conscious of, yes, ending something creative. And you will love this about Odie. He yelled at his older brother. He yells this a lot, actually. Uh, you're not yes ending me, you idiot. So like he's he's there. So he delivers notes in a bit of an iron glove kind of way, but like his heart's in the right place. Um, well, you're such a you know no means yes. So the more you double down, the more he's gone. You know the opposition. So I'm trying to get them to school, and I'm I'm going okay. We're gonna dress up, and in my head I'm going, 
I'm gonna have to wear a suit, and then I'm going. I've put on so much weight in this pandemic. I'm not. I'm not getting a suit tailored, but this is what I'm doing. And then it comes. I'm literally like, all right. So what can I? I guess a tie. Why does he care? And then I'm like, real quick, just so I know, what do you mean by fanciest clothes? And he's like, the most colors possible. Oh, so great. Like, oh, okay, that I can do. That's fine. <laughs> I got t-shirts and shit. I'm literally thinking about getting a suit tailored. He just wants a rainbow. Oh, I, I'm I'm grateful to hear that. I mean, the, I I put on a bra and I think I've you know dressed for like the queen's coronation. <laughs> you know? like, it was a jubilee. Susan has a bra on. I I'm not joking. You know, some of my friends have told me they haven't worn a bra in this entire pandemic, and I have to because people would be very upset to like watch me flopping around. And I'm so grateful. That like I that doing that makes I think I've worn this for three days. I've just changed underpants and bra. Oh, hey! And I wear this shirt to bed, and then I get up and I sniff my pits and I go, "Oh, I'm okay." I mean, like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Susan, I have to wear a bra, otherwise I can't be around a table Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, children. Because I get it. Some reason they're they're always at. Underarms everywhere. Knock over flowers, all of it. Yeah. (laughs) I used to be the kind of, I used to not perform unless I was in like a college shirt. Now I have home sweatpants and going out sweatpants. Fancy. Yeah. Fancy. Like the ones without paint on them and these. Yeah. I felt, I actually once wrote a tweet that was the truth. I had put on a pair of jeans that day and felt like I was going to the Met Gala. You know, yeah, I was like, for real. shut hard the fuck. Yeah, hard. Is that what they call them now? Yeah. Hard pants. Hard yeah. pants. I have to, I have to go to Passover at my mom's house next Friday. And I was like, I can't wear this. Right. So I have to like, think of like a pair of pants that would actually fit me that I could wear to a family. Fi- it's an anathema for me. I can't even fathom what, get, how I'm going to feel. Can you guys get back into dresses? Like start that whole movement going? You know, I, I have the opposite of body dysmorphia. I did a show. They had this recently this thing called the uh, World Comedy Expo here in Chicago, which kind of looks like CIF if you squint, but with sketch <laughs> and stand-ups. And it is people from around the world. So, And it was the first time, and I think they did a great job. But I wore what I found something that fits. I found a blouse that I thought was lovely. I put on a black sweater, and like I thought my boobs were pushed up. I wore this skirt with even the pleats starting below, you know, so that I had a waistline, the whole nine are boots. I, I was as dressed up as I could be. Everything actually fit. And I felt fantastic only to see the pictures later on and go, who the fuck did this to you? Like, oh, no. like my breasts look like they're swallowing my face. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I should have had like glasses on a chain to put on my like huge tits. You know what I mean? Like my, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Woodbury, who had those, you know, shelf tits and huge shelf tits. And I was, my body looked like a rectangle. And I was like, what the fuck am I thinking? You know what I mean? Like when you're thinking, and I can't say that shit around my kid because body dysmorphia is real. And, and it's already hard enough to grow up now with social media. So I have to be really careful about that because I had a mom, my mom is absolutely skinnier than anybody. And she'll like complain about her upper arms to a woman who is like, I remember she'd be in a dressing room and the woman who was helping her was three times her size, but perfectly delighted with her body that was strong and taking care of herself and 
propelled her through the day. And my mom's like, oh, my arms. I'm like, oh, my God, stop it. And now my daughter knows that my mom sometimes ha is a little too self-deprecating about her body. And then she's kind of confused about all that. So it's different. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that it's different with girls and boys in that way. Um, maybe more traditionally so. And unfortunately, eating pronounced. disorders are up with guys. Well, with I mean, they're all sort of um, prey for that stuff. But I, women get it the most, I think. Also, our generation of girls. I mean, parents. We are the dam at a multi generational river of trauma. You know, wow. like Good what way are, to say it. we are our generation of parents. Like we are mm. the first generation to be like, Hey, there's a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like they're like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't say terrible things around right. our, about our bodies in front of our kids. Like what we're talking about. Like, Cause well, yeah, yeah, my mom was constantly like, Oh, my thunder thighs. I'm yep. so fat. I can't yep. take my bot. Like, yeah. Right. And, and it was, I had to retrain my brain to never talk about my body in front of our kids and, ever. And what is, I think sort of normal parenting to us, right? Which is like, Hey, don't hit your kids and don't talk yourself down in front of them. And don't, you know, don't force an eating disorder on them. That's new math. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm 58. Maybe, maybe, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm 58 years old. Um, so I literally came out of the very, I was born in the end of 63. So I was still part of the suck it up age versus kids have feelings <laughs> and everybody gets a trophy. I was very much of the suck it up age, which followed me and my opinions through even going through comedy, you know, and, and, but definitely I had to stop myself and say, what kind of child, how do I support my child? And, you know, even it's weird. I don't think some, sometimes people are like, well, I don't need to hear it. So maybe my kid doesn't need to hear positive affirmations or please and thank you. I had to struggle with that, um, with the way that I parent my child, like with, with my ex, like we had to kind of come to a consensus of, cause I remember the therapist saying, well, unless you want a really spoiled child with a huge sense of entitlement, you're going to say, please, or thank you. Cause that's what your kids need to learn. And then you realize what they crave and I always said to Sophia, um, I'm so proud of you, but my, but my hope is that you're really proud of yourself because you did it. Because I didn't want her affirmation based mm -hmm. on my approval or not, but if she feels square with it. And she has a huge sense of justice. I mean, she's funny as fuck, and her singing makes people cry. Um, mm -hmm. And she's been giving her friends stick and poke tattoos, which are like prison tattoos. Oh, she's very shit. good at it. If you ever needed a stick and poke, Sophia would be delighted to give it to you. They oh, turn out very well, but I'm like looking at her thinking, lawsuit, you know, for that one person that she tattoos wow. incorrectly. Oh, How well. do you find out you're good at that? Well, uh, you know, it was, she went to an artsy school and apparently people were giving it to each other in the middle of the day. And she also said that some of the kids were giving blowjobs to other kids in the bathrooms. And I was like, oh, oh God bless, you're growing up. Oh, it's a, oh it's a different God. kind of stick and poke. It's a different kind of, yeah, right? Good one. Uh, yeah, it's also a different kind of, it's a different template for what school is. But in other ways, she's so much wiser than I than I am. It's it's em almost embarrassing that I'm like, you had that epiphany at this age? Damn, girl. But you know, but you know what? I think to, to give credit to, to you, and by extent, in a sense, to give credit to our parents, it's also because you raised her with those values. Mm -hmm. It was important to you to raise a kid that was wise and independent. 
Yeah. Um, and so even if that didn't show up, I think when you were a kid, right? So the same thing, it's like, well, if we as a generation are figuring out new stuff about parenting, on some level, we have to give some credit to our parents for at least raising us to be able to be aware of that. Mm. Oh, way. I mean, and my mother was, she was very good about the things you had to do. You know, like the, the, the thank you note, the, uh, we always got to the dentist and the doctor when we're supposed to, oh, you're playing the violin and no, you don't have the ability to say no to it right now. You know, like all those things. And, and for example, like piano that I remember making Sophia continue piano, even though she didn't want to. And I said, I'm sorry, but I know you're very musical and you're going to really appreciate that later on. And she did say to me later on, wow, I'm so glad you gave me that opportunity. She's oh, also great really grateful now for being a child of comedians. I don't think she recognized until way later that her situation was incredibly unique because although <laughs> she had a stable childhood, she also had a very alternative childhood yeah. where her babysitters and friends were adult comedians. You know what I mean? So she can like keep up yeah. with all of it. As a matter of fact, she makes me laugh more than anybody else on the planet. She is so fucking funny. And I don't even think she wants to be a comedian, but if she wanted to be, she could be. I remember years ago when Andrew Alexander uh, said to her, well, you know, he's like, when can we have her? And I'm like, she can't tour until at least she's 10. You know, like, <laughs> like she's, I mean, she's a piece of something. And I, again, I don't say that because she's mine. People who meet her in a different place than, than where, than, you know, if I'm not with her and they meet her another time, they will contact me and say, oh my God, I met your kid. And she couldn't have been more gracious or kind or fun or sweet or Ugh. all those good things. So I'm, I'm super grateful with how she landed. Certainly um, what frustrates her and what's difficult for her hurts my heart too. I feel like she's my heart and and I don't say that in like one of those mommy things, you know, I, I really like, oh, yeah. cause I remember thinking, God, I hope I bond with my kid. And also was really worried. I don't know if preg if you felt this way too, Betsy, but you felt like, did you feel like very anxious during your pregnancy? And you're like, Oh my God, I don't want to like propel my anxiety on my child or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. No, I didn't feel that way. Although, uh, I did have postpartum anxiety, which I didn't know what that was until years later. I was just like, oh, I have intrusive thoughts that are very violent and strange. Yes, like um, that could have killed her. A lot of that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. But no, for me, it was more just like I was parented. I mean, there were a lot of ways that my mom successfully parented me, but um, there were a lot of ways that were not uh, great about the way that I was raised. So I, I've always felt a little like I've been parenting in the dark, um, that I don't quite, I don't know what to do i just know what not to you do you don't want to do yeah but that's don't you think that's just as effective in some ways you're like if i don't want to be x what will i have to do to counteract that and i think that's just common sense right yes oh, but i think it's harder to know when you're doing it right if all you're trying to do is not do something right because you might be like okay i'm not i'm not spanking my kids but am i correcting their behavior am i doing this am i blah 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 I always felt that as long as I had something to try, I was in process and I felt good about it. It was one I mm. felt like I had exhausted, like, you know, when you crack a code in parenting and then all of a sudden a new code needs to happen where you have to fucking, you know, and I'm like, oh man, are you kidding me? I'm going to have to do this now. Um, so when I crack, you know, as long as I have something to try, as opposed to ripping out my hair in large tufts going, what the <laughs> fuck am I going to do? I was pretty okay. But then again, I also only had one kid and 
I found her to be very easy. Joe might have a different opinion, but I found her to be incredibly easy because I felt tapped into a girl, you know? I, How, I, and then not girly. I don't want to say girly, but just because she wasn't. She was a sporty spice. Not sporty, but you know what I mean? Like if you put her yeah. in fussy shit, she looked stupid. But if you put her in like bold colors and she, cool, you know, stripes. <laughs> she felt good. You could see she perked up a little bit. She went were princessy like for a while. When you were little, Susan? I was super creative and I was super compliant to my mom because my mom was, um, she was a stickler. She, she, I will say this. My mom is a complete, like to her massive credit, something in her, as she got older said, I want to evolve and I want to do things differently. And although she was a, because per- I think she's hardest on herself than anybody else. She's a perfectionist. And Thankfully, so one of the best ways for me to show my love for my mom was to give her complete and unfettered access to my mom. Like, I mean, to my, you know what I mean? Like to show my love for my mom is to give my mom complete unfettered access to Sophia because I know the best of my mom is the best. So Sophia and my mom have given each other, and I knew since Sophia was a, you know, a Victorian child with great manners that Nana would fucking love it, right? So (laughs) the two of them truly, Sophia will say, to me that she thinks I'm her favorite person. She'll go, but Nana's super close. And and my sister Robin and I will sort of look at each other and go, you got a different Nana than we got a mama, you know? (laughs) But but at the same time, I deeply appreciate everything my mom has, has done for me. Um, She was independent in a time that it was like, remember like, you know, women's rights and now, you know, national organization of women, all that shit, Betsy Frieden and all these women who, we're just starting to push the, you know, Ms. Magazine, push the envelope to go, are you fucking shitting me? My mom the was there. The dawning of second wave feminism. My, and my dad was, a, I, although I loved my dad beyond cope, my dad was like litigious and an asshole and made her divorced life with him really miserable. So as I got older, I, I could see that and, and give her so much credit for what she had to traverse in order to land on her feet and, and find the happiness that she deserves. You know, my mom's super yeah. smart, super smart and, and yeah, willing to evolve. That you, what? Yeah. That's what I was going to say that, that she was able to make that choice and then follow through on it because it seems what I'm learning is that uh, as we get older, that does not become easier to do. And there mm-hmm. are also, uh, I absolutely know people whose parents have made that decision, but then are sort of constitutionally incapable of following through on it. Look, the thesis is always prettier than the reality. There have been times where I've thought, oh, this will do it. And then it absolutely did not work. But there was, um, oh, Sophia, as a young adult, there was an issue she had. And I was offering her up all sorts of possibilities of a solution. And she stopped me and she said, you know what? I'm an adult now and I'm going to figure it out. And if I need your support, I will ask you. And I love you. And I know you, she said, I know you and I have a very similar brain. So, and she even said the same brain. Um, she yeah. said, but I'm going to have to figure it out. And I said, you know, God bless Godspeed. Yeah. You, you, you go girl. I'm so proud of her for that. She's really, really good at advocating for herself now and, and coming up with the words, you know, but she's always been good at words. Well, it sounds like you did it right. Cause it's not like she's not going to She was her. right. I mean, you put her in New York. Yeah, she's but... lucky I didn't kill her by mistake. I mean, seriously. Maybe, maybe but you've also seemed to have prepared someone and maybe it's nurture maybe she just lucked out and has a brain that can handle it but it looks like you've raised someone that's good at adapting 
and that will, you know, make their share of mistakes, but will learn from it. And they've got a good support system in you, and not everyone has that. Yeah, she's she's incredible. She really Susan. is. I don't, again, I don't say this as her mother. I like say this as a person, <laughs> like because again, I'd be the first one to say she she sees city. You know what I mean? Oh, if she look. were. We'll do a background check. We will update the listeners on the, uh, you know, on the Facebook group. Um, but also, you know, you on the internet who are listening to this may be experiencing Susan for the first time. But I've known Susan for many, many years, and I, I want to vouch that if she uh, has a problem with someone, even someone she cares deeply about, she will let you know. So when she says that, she is telling the truth. Oh well, I, I will let them know. But I mean, here's the other thing too. I'm not right. I just want, I want to be happy. I'll be the first to say I'm sorry simply to keep the peace. You know what I mean? I have to keep peace. Um, I don't like conflict. It doesn't interest me. I don't like arguing for sport. It's not fun. And I know a lot of people who think it's fun to win. And I'm like, yeah, but then your partner has to lose. And that just yeah. makes yeah. no rational sense for me. So, I said this. yeah, I'm not interested in being right with Sophia either. I, what I have said to her is I'd love to save you time. <laughs> feeling shitty when you could feel good. I could save you a decade or so of feeling shitty when you could, you know, like I, I, I really do believe that. I said, but my shit's not right either. It's just, it's just propelled me through space. And if you do think we have the same brain, you know, your epiphany at age 19 and I'm having the same epiphany at 58 is kind of a bad reflection on me rather than her. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Susan, evolve, you know? Yeah. Susan, I don't yes. know if you want to say anything about this, but uh, I feel like we haven't really talked about this on the show before, about co-parenting in terms of being far distances, or when when Sophia was younger, was her father nearby, or was he always in another state? No, Joe was Joe. Joe and I separated when she was about six months old, and he lived three blocks away until she was about seven or eight, oh. and then. Then he um, moved to Los Angeles, um, and and so that was difficult. I think it's really hard for a not you know a, a father. He did his very very best to make sure he was very present, pretty much almost every day on the phone and things like that. But I think that was that's really hard to navigate. Um, certainly, I can see you know I don't know maybe it's come I'm, I'm a girl mom and he's a boy mom. I also think he comes from a generation of because I said so. And that's not going to work with Sophia. Like, if you you need to tell her why, um, yeah. and it's got to make rational sense. And children aren't just crying for attention. Children cry because they're sad, or they have needs, or they don't feel heard. So I've always been tuned into that kind of stuff. Um, and it wasn't easy the first couple of years. As a matter of fact, it really kind of sucked until Michael came into the picture. And mm -hmm. one of the few things that Michael's, uh, one of the vows that Michael had with me was whoever fucks with you fucks with me. And mm -hmm. I think that my ex-husband had a lot of respect for Michael. He really loved Michael and, and Michael enjoyed him too. And that I had remembered when Joe and I broke up that the thesis from the, the therapist and I, cause I come from the worst divorce in the history of the state of New Jersey. It's been changed since then. Somebody else wins, but it was really bad for <laughs> my parents for a long time. And so my therapist, Kathy said, divorce is not about you. It's about your kid. So in the mm. forefront of my mind, no matter what bullshit was going on with, with my ex-husband and me, 
I always made sure to say Sophia first in my head, always Sophia first. I and didn't give a shit. Um, even when we got divorced, I made sure to get a lawyer who was really, really sweet. Cause I was like, I don't want to be litigious. I don't want shit like that. And Joe's lawyer was a fucking shark. She was like an asshole. And I was like, Whoa. Um, but then when Joe moved to Los Angeles, we had to make sure to get a new parenting agreement in place. Yeah. And I got a new lawyer and she's very quiet and well-mannered and very sweet, but she was about six foot three. And I came mm -hmm. up to her belly button and she was built <laughs> like a linebacker. Again, really sweet, but huge. Her name was Elizabeth. And um, Joe still had the shark lawyer. And we went into mediation with, the, with us and the lawyers. And my lawyer was like, it's Sophia first, Susan second, and you can go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Like, ah. I was like, oh my God. Because the first time I felt it was, it was Joe, Sophia, me. That's how I felt it was, the way that oh. I negotiated that. And when in fact it should always be Sophia. So, so that right. was a different change. And, um, I think sometimes the parental agreement is there when it serves you and that's not so much fun. But as soon as Michael was in the picture, uh, Joe, Joe and I rarely argued, rarely, rarely, wow. rarely, rarely. And Michael was a different kind of stepfather. And I think that, um, Joe appreciated that. I think he really did, you know, to have yeah. a, a man who's so kind and caring to Sophia during uh, his life. So, yeah. So that helped. I think since then, I think COVID has really, I think people even who are super balanced have become freaked out about a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. and so I think there's been a little more tension with me and Joe, but again, she's 18 and I don't have to co-parent anymore or 19. Yeah. So I don't have to co-parent. Thank you. I'll see him. I'll see him at graduation. I'm, I'm not <laughs> I was I, curious. We, we did this for a long time, even even up until the fact that she got to school. Joe and Molly and their daughter Valerie stayed here for five days before Sophia's graduation. Um, Joe stayed at my mom for two days before Loden. Oh, wow. And I've discovered right now, I don't think I want to do that anymore. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, I do applaud Molly. I think uh, Sophia's stepmother is the bee's knees. I love her so much. Um, I think she's fantastic. I've said to Joe's face when they were in my kitchen, I said... You know, Joe, if you ever get in a, uh, and I said this in front of Joe and Molly, if you ever get in an argument with Molly, know that I will take her side every single time. <laughs> and now Molly is studying to be a marriage counselor. Wow. Which I think is tremendous. And Very cool. Yeah, that's one way to win an argument. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm professionally winning this one. Yes. I became a marriage counselor so I could win. Um, I don't think that's why, but I will say this. There's there's heavily going to be a need, you know, and she's a great actress and a great comedian, a great writer, but um, she's smart. Her mom's a psychiatrist. Her dad's a doctor. And, um, and, and she's smart as a whip and she's really great observationally. I've even shared stuff with her that I thought to myself, uh, why am I sharing this with the wife of my, and I was like, you know what? Cause I don't care. Cause the truth sets you free. And because she's a solid, solid, solid human being who I admire. Oh, cool. And, and Sophia has really come to love her. And she's been very, very kind to her because Molly's from divorce too. So she remembers how funky oh. stepmothers are, you know? And I yeah. think she's been incredibly graceful through all of this. And I think she's probably sucked up a lot of shit for it too. Uh, and I think she's just amazing. So I'm a big fan yeah. of Molly Erdman, big fan. Being a step parent, being a stepmother in particular seems like a really tricky, it seems really tricky. Wait, Molly Erdman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's my ex-husband's yeah. wife. 
That's wild. She's joking out his life. <laughs> um, so you wanted to talk about co-parenting when you live far away. And I yeah. think in many ways it gave me a great deal of relief because I wasn't being micro-criticized on a daily basis. Yeah, I thought I was doing sense. a really good job raising a kind and caring individual. And um, that's just not the way that Joe works and that's okay. You know, some people don't yeah. need affirmation or whatever. Um, but I do need peace and I have it now and it's great. It's really great. Beautiful. It came at a price, but it's great. Yeah. Well, here, let's circle back to uh, the heart party real to quick. Throw, yeah. th- throwing so up I... and, and sick kids <laughs> who are now well. I'm so happy that he's doing so well. He's doing great. So, yeah, I we were finally able to convince Odie that uh, we would have a heart party this Saturday. He's going to a class uh, on Saturday, so hopefully that'll give me some time to grab all of the Valentine's uh, decorations out of the shed. He's in a robot class. He's in a robot class. What does that mean? Do you create robots or you act like a robot? No, he goes, he goes, it's like a little like, uh, like kid engineering STEM. He's absolutely robot obsessed. I could, we could walk this laptop around the house and show you all. I mean, here's a jet pack. Here's a jetpack he made. Oh, he uh, is an inventor child. Yeah, and he's, he's got a whole of box broke. of robot parts over there. Every day he makes a new robot. There's a huge crate of like robot parts, which are like boxes that he's wrapped in tinfoil or shiny tape and like drawn a face on. But you can't get rid of or recycle any robot parts. You can't Ooh. even move them across. No, the room. he was so mad that I put so them mad. all together. So he it's a like, little bit like we work in like the the Terminator factory. We I live in the Terminator factory. Yeah. Again, I think that's fascinating to watch his path to see what happens. A friend of mine's daughter is in 10th grade and she's like the head, like she's the leader of the robotics division in her school. And I was like, really? how the fuck did she make that? Like, I know she's a great artist, but I never thought she was into that stuff. Like what makes a kid go, ooh, you know? Why was yeah. Sophia so interested and so fucking good even as a baby at singing. I remember when she was two and on the potty, um, I called up Sharna because she was singing the R.E.L. song. And, you know, Sharna's a little deaf anyway, but Sharna was like, why are you making me listen to the radio? I'm like, that's not, that's a, that's a two-year-old. That's a two-year-old. That's crazy. She was that good when she was, like, it's disturbed. I just tried to keep it, like, low-key because I didn't want her passion to turn into something that she had to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it was great that when she was, ugh, she was a musical theater major in high school because she went to an art school. I mean, a, a public school, but an art school. Yeah. And, I, and I remember saying to my friend Mark, who works at Shy Arts, I said, ew, is she going to be a musical theater major in fucking high school? Are you fucking kidding me? And Mark said, oh, no, no, it's great. Because if she really fucking wants to go into musical theater, she'll get into every conservatory in the country at the end of this. But if she doesn't want, but like if, if we can help it, she'll like burn out in high school. And that's what happened. She did it. She did great in musical theater. And then she's the fuck out of Dodge. When she said she wanted to concentrate on her music and, and apply to the Clive Davis school, I was a little worried too, because they only take 60 kids from around the country. And I'm thinking, I think she's brilliant, but am I wrong? Am I just her mom? You know what I mean? No, she's that good. She's great. Amazing. Amazing. So, so yeah, um, this Saturday we'll be having a heart party. I love it. So you're going to have decorations, cake. Are you going to invite any of his friends? 
I thought about that. I wondered if we should invite Charlie, but then then it's more of a party and less of a celebration. Right. So. I think this we gotta celebrate. First time we do it, so this sets it. If there's like a heart pinata, no. What kind of what kind of cake does he like? Well, we we have some chocolate cake because he uh is a, he asked that we make a chocolate cake this week, so I have all the mix and stuff. Are you gonna make a robot cake? I think it has to be a heart cake because it's a heart celebration. Oh, that's right. Are you, is it going to look like a traditional heart or like an aorta kind of heart? Oh my god! To make it like a, like one of those school models of like, I think that would look. I insane? think insane. Yeah, I think it would look very bad if I made it. So I think I'll probably just try to make a. Given the rush nature of the job and how the house looks, here's what I'm going to suggest: sheet cake with an icing heart on it. <laughs> there Ooh. you go. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Susan is like, this child is amazing. We got to do a beautiful party, and you and I are like, we gotta <laughs> cut all the corners. Ah! We oh, cannot. get through the fucking day. Are you kidding yeah. me? No. <laughs> Remember, I only had one child. It was easy for me to kind of go that's what you want you know and go to town <laughs> only one child it makes it easy for me to be a parent so I, I don't even know how I could juggle it I am sure one child would be in a like a drainage hole right now like I'm so impressed that you even know where your children are oh I mean technically all three of them could be in drainage holes right now no, we don't know school. my phone's on silent <laughs> um what were you gonna uh, say? Oh, I was just gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now for the record I bet a dollar that our oldest kid at some point goes how come I don't get a heart celebration? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so well, he's we got justice to... on his side, huh? Oof. That's like we went to um, Disneyland right after the heart surgery, like ten days after the most recent one, and we got a stroller so that the little one could be in the stroller because he just had heart surgery open heart surgery 10 days earlier mm-hmm. and uh and the oldest was yeah. so pissed that he an 11 year old couldn't be in the stroll or 10 year old yeah. at the time couldn't did you ask him if he'd like some heart surgery yes would you like in, to be just like way, your brother <laughs> in the same way that i'm trying to explain the difference between leader and boss i'm also trying to explain the difference between equal and fair uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, again, it's an ongoing, yeah. it's an ongoing thing. And that's I think the in- same sex parent has a harder time with some of that because I feel like Joe kind of acquiesced of like, you deal with the girl stuff. Like it was, it was never said, it was kind of tacit and implied that the oh. same sex parent has to kind of navigate boy brain. You know what I mean? Like Betsy's, Betsy's going to teach them if they choose, you know, if they end up being heterosexual or cisgendered guy of what women expect and deserve and you'll be kind of on your end Ari teaching them all that you know other shit but also that part of somebody like it's hard to like it's hard to get through that fair thing I can see that I can see where that could be a problem because it's always looking to your right or to that's that happened to me even when I first started doing comedy I just kind of realized my friends are so fucking brilliant I think I'm just gonna have to put my blinders on and say my path is my path you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's so smart. hard not to look to your right and your left and go, he's getting preferential treatment. And and in a sense he is, but again, reasonable, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He well, was the only kid for how many years? Oh, 20 months. Yeah. Oh, really? 20 months. Yeah. Yeah. It's what he knows. But that said, we've, we've said it on the show before, his, his brother, his 
our, our middle child was born, Ajax was born, we brought him home from the hospital, and Rex pointed at him and looked at us and said, no, no. <gasps> wow. So it, it didn't, so the old, the old put a pill in a piece of cheese, like saying, uh, this is your baby was like, go fuck yourself. No, yeah, that baby brought him an Elmo doll and everything, and it didn't matter. That said, look, they're, <laughs> I, I describe them as inseparable best frenemies. Yeah. Uh, they complain and they fight all the time, but they also, uh, we have this huge couch, and you walk in at any point, and they will be just piled on top of each other watching the iPad together. Yeah, like kittens. Aww. Like, like kittens. Aw, they love each yeah. other. They do. They, they don't always each like other. each other, but they do love each other. Ugh. But oh, I feel so bad. Ajax is always crying and being like, "My, why is he so mean to me?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Which I is, wish I knew. it's it's partially uh, fair, and also he's a very sensitive kid. So he's very stuff sensitive. that uh, you know, he's calibrated in such a way that yeah, stuff that would roll off another kid's back sticks sometimes. And you know, it's hard. I like that you, you say it like, that way. Fuck it up. I Was like that? the way I like the way you said he's calibrated that way. Again, they're yeah. born the way they are. You know, they really, really are. Sophia has not, she's not surprised me with one thing that she's done in her life or how she's acted in her life in response to, you know, struggles or trauma or anything. Like she's really, I've always kind of went, oh yeah, like I, I, I knew that would be your response to it. And maybe I should be more surprised as she gets older. I hope I am. I hope, you know, I, I don't want to go, I knew it. I don't want to be that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like vomiting a thesis of a scene and then fucking it till it's dead. And you're like, okay, there's my scene. <laughs> right. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh and- my God. I could not have bored you more. What? No. <laughs> I hope no, you feel no. better, Betsy. I wish thank I could you. watch your celebration. So would you send me a picture of heart of the heart cake? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Susan, where can people find you on social media and online and see your work and watch your shows and take your classes and all that stuff? Oh, at Messing Susan, I guess, on Twitter or or Instagram-y kind of shit. I just kind of have been doing, um, there's a bunch of little stuff coming up. I know I'm going to Baton Rouge for their, their festival in April, the end of April, and I know I'm going to be in... Um, in Twin Cities Festival in June. I do know that. I think I'm going to Bozeman because they asked, um, which was kind of them. Um, And I might be going to Vienna in the fall. I don't know. We're we're trying to figure out that kind of stuff. I think everything is up in the air. Uh, I will be teaching online again for the annoyance. Um, we, We worked from January through March and that was super fun. And then we took a little break kind of to figure out how that works a little better because that was their very first time doing an online class, which was really nice. We're doing one, uh, Rachel Mason and I will be do, doing a two day for the magnet in, uh, sometime in the beginning of May. That oh, as well. lovely. So little bits and pieces. You can just, you'll see, you know, Also, if, I- if you get a chance listener to take a class from Susan or to even just watch her perform, Jump at the chance because yes. she's she's brilliant in both in both venues. Hundred percent. Aw, thanks, it's mom. It's true. Very true. I oh could not God. love you more. I wish I wish you felt better right now, Betsy. I'd give you a big hug. Thanks, friend. You're so fucking great. You're a goddamn hero to me, as you are too, Ari. You guys are amazing. Kalab, Efkaristo Parapoli. Oh, and she speaks Greek. Wow, what does that mean? 
It oh, means thank you very much. much. Wow! You know what? You know what? I also can I can say in Polish. I can say pipships vivyorka, and that means I fuck squirrels. But I don't. Nice. Whoa! Nice. It, it took me a long time. It took me all week in Krakow to learn that phrase. Pip I'm going to tell you what, you probably won't ever need that in Poland, but if you do, you do. I don't know if they have squirrels in Poland, but I think not they know enough, of not squirrels. Not after you leave. <laughs> um, Ari, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at IlluminatiImprov.com. I am on uh, Twitter, uh, at Ari Vukitis, standard spelling. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram too, but I'm kind of a, a pretty shadowy presence on Instagram. Just the <laughs> occasional silly photo. Yeah, I put uh, a potato. Have... I put a potato on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter yesterday. I put the biggest potato I've ever baked. It was the hugest potato. It must have been huge because I've seen some real big potatoes. And this is going to sound like look a at bit, me on Facebook and you'll see my potato. I'm going to. I'm going right after we get off. I'm going to look at this giant potato on social media. Oh no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not fucking around. It was. It literally yeah, is the size of my pinhead. It was a yeah. huge potato. All right, this. Now you built this up. This better be a big fucking potato. I'm not lying. I'm it's gonna. You get an angry text if it's not. I. Oh you will get a, you're not fucking kidding me. That it was, <laughs> I could put it over my face and you couldn't see my face. This twice ah, baked, pota- it literally had to be, had to be cooked twice to become a one baked, one baked potato. Like, because it was, it took two hours to cook that potato. All right, listener, I'm going to post a screenshot of this potato in the Facebook group. Why are there potatoes are. so big? Hey, I don't know. Even the guy, at, the guy at the Trader Joe's was so impressed that he actually held it up and showed other cashiers. That's wow. what a kind of big potato that was. And it was 69 cents. Wow. wow. Well, that is, that's impressive. That's a nice price. It was a huge potato. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my little brain can only handle so much. I love you so hard. I can't even joke. If you like Why Mommy Drinks and you want to support the show, please go to Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, and leave us a glowing review. Check out our sponsors and the Why Mommy Drinks Patreon. Follow and like Why Mommy Drinks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Also, I want to hear what broke you. So email me your shit shows or leave a message on our hotline. Uh, copy with your shit show. 424-279-884. Uh, copy with your shit show. 424-279-884. Copy with your shit show. Four two four two seven nine eight eight four two. And all of this information is in the written description of this episode. Uh, <laughs> Susan, you are doing an amazing job. Yes, you are doing such a great, such job. A great mom. Like I, I I've, uh, yeah. Oh, fucking goals. I'm, I'm well, sure my worst day like... is somebody else's best. You know, God bless. Right? No, I'm, I'm kidding. My Sophia's worst day is some other kid's best day. I've always said that. But my I'm I'm a I'm definitely in progress and I will continue to be until I die because she's an old soul and I'm a young soul. So she's yeah. probably too, You know what I mean? Cuz you don't want to rub your face. You have to rub your face in your own hypocrisy when you have children, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's true. As my 11-year-old is constantly reminding me. Yeah. Anytime I do something that I have criticized him for, like if he yells at me and I'll be like, stop yelling at me, he'll be like, well, look who's a hypocrite. <laughs> Although he says, look who's hypocritic. Yeah, look who's hypocritic. He's like, you're a child. And I'm never going to correct him because that's all I've got on him. Yeah, well, like, you're <laughs> wrong about grammar. There you go. You tell him. You tell him. Ari, you're doing a great job. Thanks, Betson. You're doing a great job. Be set Aww, by all. Oh, you love each influenza. other.
We do. We do. I think it's fantastic uh, that they that you have that you have two parents that are on the same page. I think that's fucking amazing. I had to work real, real hard at that, and to have that just there is really fucking awesome. So you guys are killing. Oh, thank you. We feel very fortunate, and it is it does have something to do with the fact that we both met as little comedy babies doing improv. So we came up in this sort of yes and culture, and this uh, steeped in this idea of always make the other person look good and take care of each other. And I think it's it helps. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh, you just touched a part of Susan's heart. Oh, oh, I'm in a relationship so... now, and it's real great. But um, <laughs> yeah, really, really, it's really a big heart the best. Party, you guys. But and, I, and now I understand that. But I wish I, I wish I had had that while I was raising Sophia in the beginning. I, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it makes life a lot easier to be able to yeah. look at each other over your children. And go, did you just see what I fucking saw? And then you go, oh yeah. And like, it's easy for you to be a unit. You're fucking amazing. TFK. That's what we're always saying. Yeah, it's just for these like, fucking kids. But these... all the time we're like TFK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so good. They love you so hard. You're the best. Uh, well, uh, dear listener, if if you find yourself uh, walking up to your co-parent's house when your kid just loudly sharted, or uh, if you are uh, kissed while you're sleeping by um, an infectious child <laughs> and you know that you're going to be fucked, or if you are planning a heart day party slash celebration just know that you are doing a great job my mommy drinks i'm brian husky i'm bald and i'm charlie sanders and i'm also bald and we host bald talk on the campfire media network bald talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald but this show isn't just for baldies brian harrows will love it too Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only. Campfire.